Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to be here. Right? It's good to be here. I've been awake since 3 a.m. So, um, bear with me. <laughs> it's a good day. It's a good day. Um, hello. I hope that's God calling. Hi, Trish. Hi, Trish. She's deep in thought. Oh, that's right. She, yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's been a long time since I've been up here. Um, and it's always a privilege. I was, I was driving up here, I was driving to the church, my one minute and 30 second drive. Um, not to rub that in or anything, yeah. but I know, but there's not a lot of time for processing, right? I mean, you have a lot of time, you can study. Right, I used to drive to Denton my last semester of college, I, I, I commuted, and I literally studied for so many tests in the car, which is probably against the law. <laughs> But anyway, so I was driving here, I was pulling out of my driveway and I just, uh, I started thinking about this class and about all of you. And I just want to say that you're very much appreciated and because and, I know what it takes to stand up here and teach. And I know what you give towards that, I do the same thing and I know that it, you don't take it lightly, none of us do because what God has given to us is sacred. And he speaks to every single one of us. And if you don't teach, I just want to prophesy over you that you will be soon. Fran is covering her face. <laughs> Debbie. <laughs> but I, I really do, I really, I, I so much appreciate everything that comes forth from this pulpit. Um, and really the heart and the spirit that's behind it, don't you? Yeah, because we all bring something different. We all bring our unique gifts and anointings and, you know, the heart of God. And this class is very um, <coughs> special to the Lord. And thank you, Dennis and Tammy, for hosting it. Yeah. Yeah. So I bless you. And, and then this year, you know, Pastor was talking about the priest not long ago, and I think that's probably going to be something that we talk about at the seminar, I don't know, but he was liking it to the teacher, and I'm super curious to know how that's going to play out, because we are a teaching ministry. We are an apostolic ministry. We are a prophetic ministry. We are an evangelistic ministry. We are a pastoral ministry. We do all of it, um, and we'll continue to do that, not only here, but throughout our country and in the nations, but we are a teaching ministry. You just walk into the bookstore and you see the gold that, that's there. And so we all need to be leaning that direction in our study. And um, I don't know why I'm saying all this. I just wanted to say I appreciate you because I do know what goes into it. <laughs> Sometimes it's blood, sweat, and tears, right? Sometimes it just flows. Sometimes it's a battle. And I, I just have to tell you and just to testify that <clears throat> We're going to talk about a topic that we have talked about before, that it has been taught on, and, and it's something that really the Lord years and years ago brought the revelation for, and it's been something that's been near and dear to my heart, as, as I'm sure it is to you, because it's the presence of God. But um, over, right when we got locked down, right after that seminar, you know, we, we, we shut the church down and we all went home, those that were actually here. <laughs> And I just remember sitting in my chair, like the very next day. Does everybody have a, a chair, a prayer chair? <coughs> Do you? You have a prayer chair? I have a prayer chair, don't I, Les? I also have a prayer sofa and a, <laughs> and a floor, you know, a prayer closet, um, a prayer room, um, sanctuary, you know, all of those things where we choose to abide and to really seek the Lord. Anyway, so I'm sitting in my chair, and I was just like, Lord, what is happening? I mean, the church is closed, the country is closed, you know, everything is closing down. It was such a bizarre moment. And the Lord just, I mean, He just pricked my heart. And, and it,
he told me, he said, I'm going to teach you about my rest. <laughs> and I thought, but Lord, I've already read the book. <laughs> you know, we've all already read the breath of God. We've already read the book. And he said, I'm going to teach you how to rest. And it just began like this journey with me for in that. And I just, I, you know, I started studying and we did a season's broadcast. It was like three hours long where we talked about the different aspects of, of um, his rest. And I know recently Pastor did a Wednesday Night Live where he talked about the anapalsis or anapal, which is a New Testament word for, for rest. And he likened it to the Sabbath. It also translates as nuach in, in a, another passage where God created the earth in seven days or six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. He both anapalsis and he anapal, anapalsis, and he also nuach, two different verses. And so, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of dynamics, there's a lot of overlay in the whole principle of his rest. But today we're going to talk about the manuka, the manua, because the manua. Because this is just something that I've really been um, praying for. And, and, you know, I really believe that moment, you know, sitting in my chair, that just sounded so Texan, that, you know, the Lord spoke to us and he said, I want you to establish a tabernacle in your home where you are. I want you to meet with me there. I want you to learn, I want you to develop that, I want you to welcome my presence in your home, in your prayer closet, where you are in this season. And there, that was for a purpose, because we are called, we come to the sanctuary and we walk in, and we sure, you know, we need to reverence the presence of the Lord here. I mean, every day when I walk in here, I'm just like, Lord, help me to fear you, right? In the best way. But it's the same where you are, it's the same in your home, and it's the same, it rests upon you. And so we talk about the new walk, and we've studied about the new walk, and we know that that's the rest of God that comes upon a person for a mission, for a task. It's his breath that will come upon you and anoint you for the work, for the mission, all right? Moses, before the Lord, Lord, I know you're sending me to lead these people out of bondage through the wilderness, but I can't go unless you go with me, and God says, I will go with you, but not only that, I will give you my rest. I will give you my new walk. I will anoint you to do this call. That's the only way we can do it. You know, we talk about, Lord, we won't go unless you go with us. We need that breath. We need his spirit. And so this is a year of rest. The Lord has prophesied that. Our conference is, is about the rest of God. We're going to talk about a lot of other things, but this is something that the Lord is really establishing us in a deeper way. Do you believe that? Yes. yes. And so I believe he's going to bring all kinds of um, revelation through it, just new, deeper revelation. And the Lord really spoke to me a couple days ago. I have been in this place, and I'm just going to own it. Maybe I've talked to you about it. Maybe I haven't, where it has been just like... Um, uh, I haven't been able to see. I've struggled to hear. I'm not talking in the natural. <laughs> Are you here? <laughs> Can you hear me now? No, I'm talking spiritually. I have really, I mean, it's like I have been in this chasm for a month. I've had headaches. And when I try to, to, to study, even when I, my prayer has been different, because I've not been able to see or, or feel or hear or anything. And it started to really concern me. Um, but you know what? The Lord's in it. The Lord is so in it. Because we understand that there's different places that he has us navigate and pioneer through that we may not see, we may not hear, we may not feel. We may not feel him. But what we have to do is be obedient to keep pressing, to keep pursuing him. Like... You know, in the Song of Solomon, we're going to run and we're going to seek him. We're going to find him until we do. And so I know that's where the Lord has had me because it's almost like I can feel. I, I, it's like I'm on the precipice of just stepping off into this deep, deep place in him. But it is by faith because I just haven't, my senses have not been functioning very well. My spiritual senses. 
And so that messes me. You know, that, that, it, you, know, you're, you guys ever walk through that, right? It has been a season like that for me. And a couple days ago, I was sitting in my chair and I was communing with the Lord. I had my Bible and I was reading. And I was reading this Psalm 132, which is we're going to start from, we're going to talk about. And I got to one passage and it's like, I am not kidding. It is like the breath of God just shot through me. I mean, it was so supernatural. It was like, I, it was like a baby that takes its first breath. It's like I was like, <gasps> and I breathed the breath of God and I came alive. And I can't say that I'm still like flowing in it. You know, because he still wants us to pursue him in the wilderness. He still wants us to pursue him no matter where we are, no matter what it feels like, no matter what we're sense. And not only that, to keep praying in the spirit and to stay in the word and to keep the faith. Because this is just our walk, guys, right? I mean, every one of you could testify probably something very similar with different dynamics. So anyway, I thought, okay, Lord. This is what you want me to develop. So this is what we're going to do this morning. Amen. And it is on the topic of Manua or Manuka. Um, From our Namatakos study, we know that it is the continuing and attendant abiding place of the breath or presence of God. So it's the established place of God's presence. It's divine. It's defined in um, Strong's. as rest, resting place, repose, peaceful abode, quietness, stillness, ease. But we all know that on the seventh day, God did not just recline back and do nothing. (laughs) He doesn't do that. And um, everything in God is for purpose. Everything in God is for use. Everything in God is to bring something creative or to restore. That is how his spirit moves. His ways, they go this way, they go this way, they're either restoring or they're creating. I just did that wrong backwards, but you know what, you get my... Yeah, it it was right for you. Thank you, (laughs) Stacy. And so even on the seventh day, you know, we know what the Sabbath means. We've we've had that study, you know, it is to rest. it is blessed. It says he blessed it and he sanctified it. So blessing is Barak. So that means that Barak is to bow down before a superior for promotion. So it's a, it's a moment of development. It's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of being equipped. It's a moment of being mindful of what God has done, but also looking forward into what he is going to do with joyful anticipation knowing that it is a new beginning. There's a fresh hope there. And so we need to honor the Sabbath. And I actually thought I was going to teach on the Sabbath today, but we took a different direction just from my time in my chair. (laughs) Okay? And so it's really a day for seeking God, for gaining spiritual direction, and really to partner with Him in the the restorative process of His creation. That's why we're here. And so if you do not honor a Sabbath, I want to encourage you to indoctrinate that in your schedule, whether it's a whole day, whether it's a couple of hours, it's just really important. And, and so, um, anyway, so we understand the principle of the Nuak, and um, now we're going to talk about the Manuka. And it's all, you know, in the same word family, it all um, represents the breath of God. But the Manuka is really more like a temple-like place where God would dwell, okay? So when David had the heart to build the temple for God, remember? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. He was, he was wanting to build a Manuka place for God to rest. And so what he did was he, they had the, you know, he danced the ark in, and he established the tabernacle, which was a temporary dwelling place, but at that point it was the Manuka, okay, to establish God's presence there in Jerusalem or in Zion. And so it also, which is so exciting for me, it also rests upon a person. And so the whole premise of this this morning is to really encourage you to know that God wants to rest in you. He wants you to be an abiding place of his presence, okay? And you are. Does the Bible not say that 
we are temples of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we have the fruits of the Spirit. We have the Spirit working in us. You know, He breathes His life in us. Our Spirit, we were born again. We have the Spirit functioning in us, right? We are temples. And so as temples, we are, per we, we are permanent dwelling places of His presence to host His presence. And I don't want it to be an in and out kind of thing. In and out. <laughs> you guys ever go to in and out? Um, I want it to be. I want it to be something that I reverence and that is sacred to me. That I acknowledge the fact that I host the presence of God. I host His presence. It's all over me. I, he has chosen. I love that Leonard Jones songs. You know that blessing song where he says, "Of all the places on earth you could have chose to dwell, you chose to dwell in me." <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And so every one of us is a Manuka individual, and we're going to talk about that. Um, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are a temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19, What? Know ye not that you're, these aren't on your pages, and I'm sorry, I did a very quick outline, and I'm so, not quick, but short. Um, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have God, and you are not your own. And then in 1 Chronicles 22, verses 9 through 12, which I did not put on your sheet, and I apologize. Um, I'm working on that teaching thing. <laughs> um, David speaks over Solomon, because Solomon ultimately is going to build the temple, the Manuka house, right? And David says, Behold, a son, I'm sorry, the Lord prophesies, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, David, who shall be a man of Manuah. Of Manuka. So Solomon was declared before he was even born that he would carry that presence and I will give him rest from all of his enemies from round about. And so we are called to be that host, to be that Manuka place where God dwells. And from that, we understand this principle. We've talked about this so much. We are sent forth into the earth to establish other places of his dwelling place, right? And we do that through the anointing of the new all, which is his breath. Everybody follow me? Yes, this is, not, this is not really new. So I want us to look at Psalm 132 because I, I entitled this a prophet's uh, cry because it really is my cry. I'll try not to cry, but <laughs> in the depths of who I am, this is really my cry for this year. I think that it's, it's very much aligned with where we are in this year of truth and sonship. And I, I hope that as you go from here that it will also be the cry of your heart. Um, it was the cry of David's heart. Um, he says, as for me, I had it in mine heart to build a house of Manuka for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of God and had made ready for him the building. That's in 1 Chronicles 28. And so we understand that David had a heart after God, right? He was, he was a man after God's own heart. So that was David. I mean, everybody remembers David for that, right? That's what people quote. But that was on, I mean, that was on God's heart. He wanted a place to dwell in, right? And so David was it's so much in alignment with what was on God's heart. And so this Psalm 132 it, it is uncertain whether or not David wrote this psalm or whether this psalm was written after the Babylonian exile in reference to David and his relationship with the Father. We don't know that. But either way, it very much expresses that deep cry of David, the man after God's own heart, the man of relationship and commune with the Lord, which was his lifeblood, really to please the Lord in all things and to welcome him to fulfill his will in building him a house of Manuka, right? So, we're going to begin with verse 1. We're going to read all the way through 18, I believe. And um, the very first beginning, the beginning of this is really like a prophetic prayer. Okay? So, this could be um, a remembrance to David's life and to the reality that he actually was the one that established true worship in Zion. Um, but then again, it could have been written by him. I don't know. It's one of the songs of the ascents, which um, 
that's what we know about it. So we're going to begin with verse 1, and it says Yahweh. And what do we know what that is? God's eternal plan. Remember David and all of his afflictions. How he sware or saba unto Yahweh and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. And I want to stop here because I want to talk just for a minute about this word saba. This word means to be, it's like a desperation. He had this desperation, this passionate hunger, this insatiable feeling inside of his spirit, really, um, as he bound himself to the oath of what God had put in his heart to build this temple, to build this place of Manuka. Um, and I really believe that this is where we are. And I don't know if you've heard, I've heard Pastor several times, um, we talked about it on Saints Radio, I think last week, where he was just testifying of having, Debbie, you've probably heard it at home, <laughs> just this insatiable hunger in his spirit that he cannot, it's like he wakes up in the night, and um, I only know that because he talked about it on radio, you may know that because you're there. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell us about that later, <laughs> what that looks like. Um, I'm just teasing. But, oh, Lord, we bless Pastor and, and Yowali there in Brazil. Yes. Um, but anyway, he just had this insatiable just hunger, desperation to do this for the Lord. And I, I believe that's the heart of our pastor. I really do. And I also believe it's the heart of every one of us. Otherwise, we would not have stayed. <laughs> we would have not stayed this course and, 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 and walked through the afflictions like David and really fought the battle and continue to do so on behalf of what we know is God's will and his plan for, this, for, for us as a people. And so if you have not experienced that saba, that, that deep hunger, I just want to speak that into you, <laughs> that you would have that desperation for him and for what he wants to accomplish because it really is a deep cry for the purpose of the Lord to be fulfilled. And without his breath, without his abiding presence, we can't do that. So it really is the cry that his breath would be established in us and on us and in this house and throughout the houses of the saints. Amen? And then he says, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for Yahweh, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. That's pretty strong language. And that's why I was awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> he couldn't rest until he made this resting place for the Lord. And so I say all that to say that this really is my cry. And as New Aquans individuals, this should be our cry. In this seventh year of the Sabbath, this year of truth and sonship, it is the seventh year, um, that he would rest on us. That he would make his dwelling place in us. That in this house and upon all the houses of the saints and on those that, are, that he is raising up as sons, it's been prophesied from his right hand, sending them forth as arrows in this year, on this generation, on the Elishas, and on the Elijahs, right? That this year would be a year where we would truly be established in his manuka and in his rest, um, and that we would go forth and we would establish it through every state in our nation, through Brazil, through all of South America, through Mexico, through France, through Belgium, through Switzerland, through Western, Eastern, uh, Europe, through Africa, through India, through all the nations of the world that he sends us into. That's our calling. That is our pneumatikos calling. Um, and that rests upon us. Amen? And then it says, Lo, we heard it at Ephratah, which is Bethlehem. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacle, and we will worship at his footstool. And then verse 8, Arise, O Yahweh, unto thy manuka, thou and the ark of thy strength. And this is, this is really a power that comes through that presence, okay? It's the O's. It's the, is it O's or O's? O's? Me either. You can't hit the button and it go, O's. I know. We'll just call it Oz. That's the wizard. 
But this is significant because they're referencing the Ark of the Covenant, but they call it the Ark of the Strength, the Ark of the Oz or O's. And what it represents is God's creative strength. It, rec- it, 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 it symbolizes um, the creativity of God. It symbolizes us having the capacity to um, capture and apply the creative inspiration of God's spirit, um, of his divine wisdom, of his miraculous direction, which will yield resourcefulness. No. Yeah, is that a word? Resourcefulness? Okay, I just made it. Put that in the dictionary. (laughs) And the ingenious capacities of God. And I have to say, I mean, and I know I've mentioned this to several people that I intimately share with, that I've just been in this place, I mean, kind of in this place, this chasm, but my heart has been crying out that I would not have God in a box, you know, that I would understand, you know, that, no, that I would be able to pursue him in a way that I've never pursued him before with creativity that can only come from him because I can only love him because he loves me, right? It's his love that's shed abroad in my heart. And so I just feel like there's like the, the walls of the box need to fall down and we need to expect the Lord in ways we never expected him. To speak to us, to manifest himself in our midst, to, that we would see him, he will manifest. I mean, you just read about the seven, the four living creatures, right? And Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah, have you seen that? Right? And I know that's not God, that's his angels, but uh, my point is, is that we would actually be able to tap creativity beyond our carnal capacity, right? And be able to expect him in ways that just blow our minds, right? So this O's really is that creativity. It's, it's this amazing source of revelation and power. Remember the Ark of the Covenant was that for them. God would speak to his leader at the mercy seat and he would provide direction to where the Ark was to lead the people. And he took them all different ways, right? Yeah, to a sea, you know, to the Dead Sea. I mean, it, all kinds of things happened there in the wilderness. The essence of O's is hearing and obeying the inventive and creative voice of God. We got to hear it before we obey it but we want to hear it, right? God is going to open our ears. He's opening mine right now. His breath is blowing into my ears and into my eyes. Do you receive that? I speak that over all of us, into my heart, into my spirit, in a fresh new way. I just lay claim to this. Out of the box revelations. Out of the box. Intercession and commune is absolutely necessary to welcome this capacity of God's power and of his spirit. And you know what? It's that place of, it's that secret place of commune um, with him. And that is our life. That is our calling, that intimacy, that relationship, that intercession. Even when we don't feel, he's still there. Amen? It's not enough for us to rely on our skills. Because I'm telling you, we know how to do it. We know how to minister. He's taught us. We've, 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 We've trained but there's so much more. There's so much more um, that he's invested into us. And so as we gain revelation to go forth and take light into the darkness, let us go forth with this power of his O's, um, the ark of his strength, as he rests upon us, his manuka. Then, verse 9, Let thy priest be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. Can I hear a shout? Amen. And this word for shout is reinan, and it it, it literally has an undertone of overcoming. And so it's a very interesting um, expression. It's an expression of joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not thy face of thine anointing. And I want to stop just for a minute and just talk about priests being clothed with righteousness. We've been talking about priests. We're probably going to talk more about that in the days to come. We need our priests to be clothed in righteousness. Are you a priest? Yes, we're all priests, called to be priests and kings. Righteousness, we understand, is being at the right hand, seeing what God is doing, hearing what he is saying, and demonstrating that through that vision here upon the earth. It's about seeing what he's doing, his plan, and applying that vision and faith in everything that we do. All based on relationship through that framework of righteousness. Um... God shows us something, 
then we go forth in obedience and power, and that's righteousness. Our cry of righteousness is that we don't miss anything and that we do everything he's shown us in vision at his right hand to accomplish. That's walking in righteousness. That was Abraham. That was faith. Um, Jesus did what he saw his father doing, and that was an empowerment for him, right, in his ministry. Verse 11. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, and he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. This was God's covenant with David, really um, based on David's heart to establish his dwelling place. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I will teach them, their children shall also sit upon the throne forevermore. And then verse 13. This is the place where I was going. And this was the verse that I was reading when the Lord breathed on me. For Yahweh has chosen Zion. He has desired or longed for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, dwell, for I have desired it. So his place, his desired place of dwelling is Zion. What do we know about Zion? I gave you everything you need to answer. (laughs) It is the mountain of Jerusalem. But when you translate Zion, it is a parched place. This is not new revelation, but I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. Are you ready for me to bring it? Because this is where I have been. It's like sometimes I can just frolic through, and I really wasn't frolicking. I was dragging, you know, through a season, and it's like all around me, and I know, but I don't know. (laughs) Until it just like, oh, do you ever do that? You don't know until it comes, until that breath of revelation comes. So the primary root of this word means to be parched, barren, dry land, drought, solitary place, the wilderness, or the desert. Anybody feel that? Yes. And we understand that the promises that are made to Zion in Scripture are prophetic statements that are speaking into that dry place of the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? That is the place God desires to dwell. So we have to go there, right? We have to be willing to traverse through every terrain that he takes us through and to continue to host his presence, to welcome his Manuka presence. Um, We've studied about the wilderness, and the other, the word translated as wilderness is this word midbar, which comes from debar. We understand the debar is the word of God. It's an existence all on its own. It will fulfill itself. The Bible says that. But midbar um, means undeveloped, partially formed, or hindered in some manner. Okay? So it's, it's a word in the wilderness that is not developed yet. Okay? That's either been hindered in some way, which the enemy does that, the revelation that comes forth. This is why we pray in the Spirit. Um, Those vipers are there. Those vipers are there, right. But... It is the voice that calls in the wilderness into that undeveloped word. Do you think that is our, what we live? That is what we live, guys. We are, as John, you know, one crying out in the wilderness. We are those ones that um, really traverse through that terrain, that undeveloped, underdeveloped potential of God's creation. Right? But in each one of those places of unfulfilled promise and purpose, God promises to visit and establish his prosperity and his fruitfulness in. And so, guys, this is our life. This is our life. This is what we live. We all know this. But the reality of it is this place, which feels uncomfortable oftentimes because you're thirsty. And, you know, thirst represents commune with the Lord, of course, when you don't feel him, when you don't see him, when you're not hearing him. You bet you're thirsty. Just give me one drink, Lord, right? That's what he did for me the other day. I'm going to take a drink now. A prophet, this prophetic. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's not coffee, it's water. So this is the place where he chooses to dwell. This is the place where he longs to dwell. This is his habitation. And it is here that his rest will dwell forever. Say, Lord, pick me right? Dwell with me. Dwell with me in my emptiness, in my barrenness, in my dry place. Yes? Um, I was just sitting here drawing a parallel between um, when 
Moses and the children of Israel and were in the wilderness and they murmured for 40 years. Yes. And, but on the other hand, John the Baptist, um, he was doing the work of the Lord and, um, and that's what our mission is. That's right. Yeah, murmuring is the key in that place. Watch what comes out of your mouth. That's good, Nancy, because that really is the determining factor of whether we overcome or we're overcome in the midst of that place because there are vipers and scorpions. Ask Teresa. Verse 15, I will abundantly bless, or Barak, we just talked about what that meant, her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priests with salvation. So here he says he's going he's gonna to clothe them. And clothing, when he clothes us, it represents our identity and our function. Okay, And so he's going to clothe us with salvation, which is this word yesa, which is where we get the word Yeshua. Okay? Familiar? And it, it, it literally means to make wide open, make a wide open space as opposed to a narrow or restricted way. Um, it means to make sufficient, to be delivered, victory, safety, salvation, and it, it, it obviously leads to our Savior. And her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Can I have a shout? Woohoo! Woo Verse 17, then will I make the horn, and this is the strength and the vigor of David to bud, which is fruitful. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed, which we understand is Christ the Messiah. And this lamp, you know, the lamp was part of the, the, um, the articles in the, the tabernacle and in the temple. And it really speaks of like a continuation of that prosperity that he established through that, through David. In verse 18, his enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. So I say all this, I bring all this to say, whether you're in a barren land in the moment or whether you're in the lush green of God's life, supply, and prophecy, regardless, God is saying to us that He is establishing His Manuka presence on you in this temple, in this house, and it's been here. So I'm not saying it has not been here. It has been here. But it is our cry continually right? And that as we are developed and learn in the midst of this Sabbath year and equipped to go forth, He is sending us forth to not only take that anointing, but because the new ought can be imparted by, a, you know, a leader can impart that to somebody to be sent forth on a mission. I've received that before in a commission. Um, but also to establish these places throughout the earth of God's presence. Because we can go start churches. We can go come alongside churches and, and we can even teach them to pray. But if God's presence and his breath, his manuka is not there, it's not going to last very long. It's going to be dry. You know, it's just not. And so, amen. Amen. Okay, so that really speaks of David's heart to build the, the temple. I'm liking it to both the temple and to us individually because this is a promise for both. So let's look at Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. Where is my place of Manuka? Thus says Yahweh, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my Manuka? God is saying this. Verse 2, For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith Yahweh. But to this man to you and you and you and me, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. He, that's what he looks for, to rest upon. Yay! <laughs> I love the Lord. He's so good. So let's talk a little bit about what these words mean. We'll do this quickly, um, so just so that we can identify with them which we all will. So we understand the principle of being poor, okay? Moses, this is a word that was used in um, Numbers. I'm sorry I didn't give you all these scriptures. It's verse 12, um, chapter 12, verse 3, where it says, Now the man Moses was very meek 
It's this word for poor. Above all men which were upon the face of the earth. And so being poor, it literally means to be absolute dependent on God for everything. And that was Moses. I mean, we have to agree that, 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 is, that, that was his heart. Um, it translates as being afflicted, meek, lowly, humble, and needy. Um, and the thing about it is, is that there's several ways this comes about. One is God calls his people to afflict your soul. Okay, He did that during the time of atonement. Remember we spent all that time talking about atonement when we had that seminar? So afflicting our soul is really like a fasting, okay, where we become poor and meek and humble inside of our and, 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 and within us, and we have, we afflict our soul by fasting, by de depriving ourselves of anything, any sustenance, so that we are fully dependent on the Lord. That is such a great place to be, right? I love that. <clears throat> but then he also, throughout Scripture, he used different things to afflict the people. He had to. Um, <clears throat> so, but let's talk about let's talk about being poor because in our society, being poor is looked down upon, right? Right. But in Scripture, this position or this attitude of being poor is actually blessed and to be desired. And really, that's the goal when he afflicted his people was to get them to this place where they were fully dependent on him. And he does that with all of us. He has, right? Um, I'm just going to run through a couple of the things it says in Scripture about those that are poor. Um, Proverbs 3.34 says that he gives grace to the lowly. This is the poor. Psalm 69.33 says, For Yahweh hears the poor. Psalm 25.9 says, the meek, or the poor, same word, he teaches in his way, or he teaches his way. Psalm 37.11 says, the meek, or the poor, will inherit the earth. It's pretty good to be poor, right? Not only we get to host his presence, but, and they delight themselves in the abundance of peace talks in the Bible about being poor is better than being proud. And then, of course, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He also said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Same word, same principle. And then we know the famous Isaiah 61, 6, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he, Yahweh has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, unto the poor. So God was sent to the earth. He was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to us, right? So it's good to be poor. Contrite, we've studied about this. This is a different word than the, the hammering word that we studied, but it's the same principle. It means to be maimed, dejected, made contrite, lame, smitten, or stricken, hitting, strike, by hitting, striking, crushing, or beating. Anybody ever feel that? Contrition is, 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 is really something that is an internal work, okay? Whereas brokenness is an external surrender before the plan and will of God. We studied about this when we talked about incense. Um, anyway, so as we commit ourselves to the burden of the Lord, we have to allow that, that hammering, that, that work of contrition, really in order for us to partner with him, because that's the only way we become like dust that we can actually, our spirit can actually move in the wind, in his breath. And so that's why he chooses to rest, right, upon those that are contrite, because our spirit is made as dust, um, just as he created us. And as intercessors, we need to be able to be caught up in the wind. The hammer of God takes the form of many influences in order to break off things and bring us to a point of refining. Often he uses outside sources. Don't we love those? <laughs> right? Um, it is a continuing process. It's a continual refining work. And then just a couple of references in Scripture um, that I'm just going to share with you. Remember the woman in Song of, Song of Psalms that, that, that rejected him when he came to the door? 
and then she went out into the city running looking after him what did they do to her they beat her they caused her to be contrite and and really her pursuit because of the separation really was because of her own selfishness she didn't want to get out of bed and her feet dirty <laughs> and so he uses it you know to to really refine us um, in the book of Nehemiah, it talks about the Jews were beaten for marrying foreign women. And it literally says that Nehemiah, they beat them because they were intermarrying and they were polluting the purity of what God was doing. And God allowed them to be beaten, made contrite. Um, Deuteronomy 25 talks about how the wickedness was beat out of his people. Apostle Paul talks about he was beaten three times with rods, he was stoned, shipwrecked, you know, all of the things that he was, that, that he, he experienced, hunger, thirst, um, nakedness. And then Jeremiah, we know, was beaten at least twice. He was innocent, but he was beaten by authorities. And then the Bible talks about raising children. It says, withhold not correction from the child, for if, if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. So we are called, and he does this to us as children. You know, he's had to beat us with a rod so that we don't die. And it's the same that we pass on to our children. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. That's pretty strong language, right? But it's really important. This contrition is really important for us. And it's part of that threefold that we're talking about that he looks for to rest upon. And then the last is trembling at his word. Um, this is a word that means quaking, trembling, shaking, afraid, fear, care, reverence. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to tune in yesterday to the message last night in Brazil, but I did. And Pastor began by talking about how he was afraid. And, and he said, I was afraid to come in and preach here. And he said, it confused me because, I mean, the guy's a pro. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I've seen him like pull 17 messages out of his pocket and, you know, it's just like, wow. Um, but anyway, he was just, he just gave testimony about this fear that he had. And then he realized that it was reverence for what God was doing there. And it was true fear of the Lord. Now, guys, we need to have this for what God is doing. We need to have this for his presence. We need to have this for our sanctuary. We need to have this for his word. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And, and it is very important to the Lord that we tremble at his word. Once again, we're going to revisit this. His word is the debar. And that is what God is saying or doing. Okay? It's, the detailing path, it's him detailing the pathway to the fulfillment of his word. And so he walks us line upon line through this. He shares his revelation with us continuously we are such a blessed people to 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 be able to receive just the revelation that he gives us the unveiling of the mystery from the throne and to see the pathway for which it is being uh, is being fulfilled through you and through me and through this house and through this ministry of the saints and through the the, the ministry throughout the network and so that is something we cannot be frivolous with we have got to really um, tremble at his word. Um, amen? Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but it's a good group to preach to. Can I have a song? Okay, I have two more passages to talk about um, that really talk about the Manuka, and these are just really, really good words. Um, He's just such a good God. He's such a good God. We're going to look at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. Um, probably the most well-known psalm. We could probably all quote it from beginning to end. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think it's likened more to a framed picture that's hanging in your entryway. Um, you know, with Jesus carrying a lamb. And all those are great and wonderful. Maybe a pillow that you have. <laughs> to rest your head on, but there's so much power in this psalm when you really look at it from the shepherd's perspective. 
there's so much poetry and there's so much power when you look at it from that place. Um, we're just going to read the first three verses and we're going to talk about them. Yahweh is my shepherd. He is my Ra'ah. And I shall not want. I shall not lack. Yahweh, his eternal plan. That is what's guiding and leading you. His eternal plan, right? Ra'ah is seeing and discerning between good and evil, right? Between darkness and light. He leads us guides us, protects us, and pastures us through that vision of Ra'ah, right? He knows, he knows. He, he understands what it means to lead, and he's leading us um, from that perspective. He is our shepherd, and because of that, we won't lack, because as we align ourselves to his leadership as our shepherd, we surrender to his eternal plan as Yahweh, who is our shepherd. Our wants and our needs line up with him and his plan, and therefore we are complete, lacking nothing, right? He understands the environment and the terrains that we walk through because he's leading us through them. No matter the Samaritan scenario, he sees, he discerns the tobe and the raw, and he applies for us that wise application of our journey, of our pathway towards fulfillment of our mission. So beautiful, right? Therefore, we trust in Him. We cannot trust in our identity. We cannot trust in our job, our finances, our gifts, our anointings. We have to trust in our shepherd, His plan, His eternal plan, and recognize that in that we like nothing. Amen? Verse 2, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Okay, so this obviously laying down in green pastures is a place of rest. It's a habit, place of habitation, but it's so much more because green pastures for a sheep would be sustenance, right? Right? Food sustenance, you think, you know, they're, they're grazing in this lush green pastures. They're being supplied. The provision is there. They have everything that they need. Prophecy, life, supply, provision, rebirth, renewal. That's what you think when you read that, right? But here's the thing about the green. <laughs> it's dead before it's life. It's brown before it's green. You know, lest the seed fall to the ground and die, it has no life. When you look at it from the perspective of the shepherd, back in this day when this psalm was written, it was most likely referencing this desert. It's the Negev Desert. And I think I'm saying that right. And it's where the shepherds would dwell and they would traverse. And for nine months of the year, it would be dry and brown. And for three months of the year, it would be green and lush. <laughs> so really, this is the reality of our life, right? And our walk with the Lord as our shepherd as he leads us through both. That dead seed, that dry grass, that what I was trying to describe earlier, that barrenness but then also the green, the lush, the life. He leads us through both of those. And we really need to understand that no matter what we're walking through, there's prophetic meaning and fulfillment in both of it, whether it's dead seed, dry barren, wilderness, or green fruitful plains, because we're going to experience both of them. And he's leading and guiding us through both of them. Amen? So regardless of whether it's lush or whether you're struggling, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your terrain is right now, sometimes it's both simultaneously, but he, you got to know that it's him and that he's led us there. He understands the tension. He understands the paradox. And in that, he provides and supplies to all of it. He's so good. He's such a good shepherd. And then it says, he leads me beside the Manuka waters. I love this because we talked earlier about thirst. Um, this Manuka waters or Manuka waters, the still waters, those waters are a place of his abiding presence and his abiding breath, his presence. And it's here where the shepherd leads the sheep to drink, to commune with him. Do you, would you agree that, that water is more important than food? Yes. You have 30 seconds. You can go 40 days without food. Uh-huh. You can go three days without water. 
See there? Yeah, God knows. And that water represents our commune with him. Thank you, Les. That's very good. And Monica? Yeah. Um, you know, this is talking about a deep commune because we, we know still waters run deep. Yeah, and that's true. So it's a deep commune here. That's true. That's good. Thank you, Nancy. So from a shepherd's perspective, I love how intentional his words are here. Sheep are very skittish by nature. I'm not saying you are. <laughs> but, but by nature, sheep are very skittish. And this is from a shepherd. I mean, this is a shepherd's perspective. Um, the waters have to be perfectly still for them to drink, or they won't drink. And so for the shepherd, he realizes that he could lead his sheep but if he leads them to water and it's not still, they're not going to drink. And he knows they need drink to live, right? Just like we do. We don't find deep, deep commune outside his presence. Outside of those still deep waters. We don't find deep commune outside of that. And so in dry seasons, when it's dry and parched, the shepherd's entire day is constructed around the water. His entire perspective is constructed around the water, which usually is at midday, okay? And isn't that just like God for us, right? Our entire day should be structured around the place of his rest, about the place of his manuka, the place where we can dwell in his presence and his breath, where we are dwelling at that still waters where we're able to drink and commune with him intimately, that place should be sacred to every one of us in our lives. And it should be the center of your day, right? And it's a place, it's that place from which he sends us forth. But we have to have that. We have to, we have to have those still waters and he leads us there. He's so good. And, and it's from that place where he establishes us. It's like an anchoring point in the midst of the chaos and the busyness and the challenges of our day. It needs to be the center of our day. Otherwise, we're being tossed to and fro by the turbulences of life, right? By the waves and all the things that come against us. But this is where he leads us. He's so good. And from here is where he sends us out. And then he restores our soul, okay? Restore, it's shub, it's to return, to begin anew from a point of freshness and vitality. He refreshes us, right? He quickens us. He brings us back if we're wandering or if we're in error. And, and you know, we all have a tendency to maybe go astray. I mean, even in the midst of what I described to you over the last season, I had a couple, you know, used to be, it used to be this way, Stacy can attest to this, where if we didn't feel God's presence, we thought we messed up. Remember? It's like, I missed the boat. I took the wrong turn. <laughs> right? Ever, did you ever feel that way? You don't feel that way anymore. It's not what it's about. Right? Um... But when we do look the wrong direction or when we do need to be pulled back, that's what our shepherd does for us. He's very good. Then he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we talked about righteousness earlier. This is so important for us. He leads us to, into paths of righteousness where we see, we demonstrate what he's doing from his right hand, that we do everything possible. We give our life fully to what God has given us to accomplish for him. And... Um, he leads us to that. Amen? And then lastly, I'm going to leave you with this very familiar passage that's kind of been um, a signature for our diversities of tongues existence. And it's, it's just so good. I just thought I'm going to include this because it's just beautiful and it's just <laughs> so good. But two, there's a message in it. Isaiah 28, verses 9 through 13. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Aren't you glad that you're weaned from the breast? Aren't you glad that he's chosen us to teach knowledge and to make us understand his doctrine? Aren't you glad for that? Do you know how many people are still in that place? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here or there, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest, this is a manuka, his intended point of dwelling, wherewith ye may cause the weary to nuah, to rest, 
to have that active abiding breath that rests upon a person for a task or a mission. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the Lord of the Word was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Um, really the message here, which we all know, is that we have to continue pressing into the new. We have to keep pressing in creatively. We have to keep pursuing our intimacy and our love affair with God. We, have, we can't let the fire die. We have to keep the flame burning because this is the secret to us moving in his power and, and, and um, his, his power. And you know, I, I testified that I've kind of been sitting in this place kind of void of feeling. And I was asking him, you know, Lord, touch me, touch me, touch me. I know you can do it in a moment. And there was silence, but I knew he was there. And yes, he is our source. He does do that. That is the only way. He breathed on me. He breathes on us. But perhaps he was wanting me to press in creatively to pursue him in a way I've never done before. And I knew it was something new. I knew that, like I said, I knew I'm standing on the precipice of something that's so deep and, and so amazing in the Lord. But I got to do my part. And my part is to walk in wonder that he is the most creative being ever, that ever will be. That there's no ends to his love. There's no ends to the demonstration of his love. There's no end to the demonstration, the manifestation of his creativity and of his spirit. There is no end. And I want my mind to be so submitted to where it doesn't get in the way that my mindset, my perspective of who he is and what he's going to do, what I think he's going to do, how he's going to meet with us, how he's going to meet with me, how he's going to manifest himself. And it may be baby steps, you know. I had a small victory this week and thus I'm standing here sharing it and the passes that he gave me. But that small victory is huge to me. Yeah, his breath is huge, and I can breathe again. <sighs> so we can't, come, we can't become complacent, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, but I needed to hear it, you know? So if I needed to hear it, maybe you did too. We have to keep forging forward, stay in his word, stay in the spirit, stay in intercession, be faithful to it, no matter how we feel, no matter how barren it is, no matter how brown the grass is, knowing that on the other side is green and life and because that's who he is. The Bible says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Do we expect him to manifest this way? Yeah. And guys, I mean, we're in for an amazing journey ahead. And so I just, I, I, I just, I declare that. But, you know, he talks about stammering lips and another tongue. Tongues equals revelation, equals understanding, brings understanding, yields understanding. Our mode of enlightened pioneering, this is a quote from Pastor's book, our mode of enlightened pioneering will be empowered by the promise of rest and refreshing as we devote ourselves to intercession. You think about rest and refreshing, you think, you know, when you go to pray, if you're praying in the understanding, is that exhausting? <laughs> I mean, maybe you're praying over the meal or you're praying for somebody for healing. You know, you, of course we all do it. But when you, your spirit engages in, in divers intercession, that's effortless. That's, your, that's his spirit praying through you. And so I love the, just the overlay there that he brings this rest and refreshing as we give ourselves to this measure of his spirit within. And we partner with him in this measure of um, the, the manuka. Amen? Amen. So all these things we know, all these things we know to do, 
keep praying. His breath is here. His breath is coming. Fresh breath. Fresh refreshing of his spirit. Um, I'm, I'm very encouraged and excited. And I love the Lord so much. And I love you all so much. Thank you for bearing with me through this somewhat prophetic um, testimony and the study of his word. And I just release, I do, I release his abiding presence upon you, his manuka breath to rest upon you um, just in a deeper way and that you would be fully aware. And, and I speak it into the, over this house. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. You're so faithful. I, I speak it over Brazil where our team is. Lord, as they meet today with Luciano, as they meet tonight with um, Casa Zion, every place they go, Lord, I just declare, Father, that they are carrying that presence and that it is being established there in the churches in Brazil and, and upon the people. Lord, thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in this. And Lord, help us to continue in this process of development of your revelation and the application of your word, Lord. We thank you so much for what you've given us. And we just love you so much. Bless this day, every point of ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.